Servus, everyone, and welcome to the Bits and Pencils podcast. As a founder, uh, you always need to be worried about about a lot of things that we can do better and a lot of things that we can improve, and that's our uh, DNA. My guest today is Valentin Stalf. He's the co-founder and CEO of N26, the smartphone bank that really varies traditional banks throughout Europe. N26 is one of the most highly ranked startups in the ecosystem. Its valuation of $3.5 billion makes it the most valuable startup in Germany, top three in Europe, top 10 worldwide. In this podcast, we talk about the next steps of the company and the cost of N26's rapid expansion into markets worldwide. So you always need to balance these investments. But I think if you don't take opportunities, you will never grow. While N26 is certainly a huge success story, of course, there have been struggles for the company as well. Complaints about late and unprofessional service via the N26 custom hotlines have been around for a while now. And lately, industry experts suggest that growth in some of N26's core markets is kind of getting flat because of tough competition and new competitors and rivals in the market. And the launch in the UK didn't go as planned either. Whether that's really unavoidable, what N26 is doing about it and what others can learn from Valentin's experience, that's what Valentin and I are going to talk about today in our podcast. Servus, Valentin. It's great to have you on the show today. So let's dive into this conversation with a question why you are withdrawing from the UK by April 15th. What happened there? Um, so as the UK is leaving the European Union and uh, therefore we are not able to operate under our current license in the UK, we were actually forced to withdraw because otherwise we would operate illegally. But you knew that Brexit was coming, um, like it, it, it was announced and voted and decided before you, you started in the UK. So Brexit can't be the only reason for that. Um, so definitely Brexit uh, is the, the reason why we withdrew from the UK. And uh, I think if you look at the election that happened last year, um, where the election, the result of the election was much clearer than most of the people expected. Uh, it led to speeding up the Brexit process and really the, the UK leaving uh, the European Union after years of discussion uh, on the 31st of January. And I think one and a half weeks later, we actually decided to withdraw uh, from the market. We've actually decided with the moment we knew that the, the, uh, the UK is leaving. Um, but I think uh, there is a direct connection to that. And uh, I would have loved to stay in the UK. Uh, and we definitely would have stayed if we wouldn't have uh, uh, been forced out by you know, our passporting license not being valid anymore. Industry experts say that no one in the industry is really surprised by this, simply because there's already so much competition and regulatory hurdles are so high in the UK. And they wonder why you even tried instead of expanding into easier environments. So I can just speak for us. And I think for us, it was not clear how the regulatory setup is going to be after the 31st of January. For us, it was also not clearly to be expected that we need to get our completely new license in the UK. I think a lot of people hoped for an easy, you know, either the license that you have in Europe, our German license still valid after the Brexit, or there's kind of a a fast track to get a UK license, which both is not the case. Uh, if we would have known earlier, we would have taken the decision much earlier. Uh, so we have taken the decision at the moment we knew how the regulatory setup is. And uh, unfortunately, we were forced to leave. So your decision is not related to the fact that there's tough competition uh, through uh, British uh, fintechs such as Monzo or Revolut who are providing um, also like similar products than you do uh, connected to your decision, you want to say? So... Um, our product, I think, has seen a lot of attraction in the UK. 
Uh, and I, I, as I said before, I, I personally would have loved to stay in the UK. Um, and I also don't think that it's about the competition of Monzo or Revolut. In the end, uh, the whole industry is about all the people that bank with traditional banks that are not with the challenger banks. And also, if you look at Monzo or Revolut, two competitors that you mentioned, they're not at a size in the UK that they take big market share in the UK. They're still like at a one, two, maybe three, four million in the UK on the customer base. And if you look at all the people in the UK that have accounts, it's several 10 millions in the UK. So there's a big opportunity and it's not directly related to competition. So how do you try to differentiate your product from other products in the market? Um, we have always uh, pushed for I think three, four things. So first of all, we've seen that transparency for customers is very, very important. Uh, and I think most traditional institutes, but also uh, more of the newer ones, uh, we take competition very, uh, uh, transparency very seriously. Uh, so transparency, real time within the product, the user experience is really our core focus. I think N26 has always stood for the best design. If you look at the user experience, how we design our cards, we've been the first on the market in, in Europe. Uh, we've always taken, uh, taken a leadership position in how we design the product and all the things. So I think that's really two core values that we have, transparency and design. And uh, besides that, I think uh, we try to always accelerate kind of our product position. Um, we try to, um, if you look at the premium products that we're offering, we have the, I think, broadest variety in premium products of all the competition out there. Um, but again, I think it's not only about other challenger banks, it's really about, you know, um, the other banks. Most of the people are still banking with the traditional players uh, with, I think, much too high fees in transparency. And I think if we can fight that and get more people to save time and cost, I think that's our purpose. So your decision to remove your service mm -hmm. from the UK is not related to the lack of growth that you saw in the British market? No. Expansion has always been a key driver for growth for N26. And new numbers suggest that growth is flat in some of your core markets, including Germany and Austria, and that your actually growth mostly consists on the expansion to new markets like the US or Brazil. How do you deal with this dilemma of having to expand to new markets to kind of get new growth for your products? So first of all, I cannot confirm any of the numbers. So I think uh, we're not growing flat in any of the markets or less or under our, uh, what we've planned. So I think I'm very happy with the growth that we see in Europe. Uh, it just reflects that many people want to bank with a different banking player. And I think that we've seen all the markets. Um, and uh, US is more opportunity related. Yeah, So the US we've gone to because I think it's one of the biggest banking markets around the world with more than 300 million people living there. And uh, if you look at Europe, where we're now reaching about 300 million, now in the US, another 300 million, we've actually doubled the market reach for N26 in the last, uh, you know, uh, six months. Uh, and uh, and that's, that's great. And um, as long as people demand our product also in other markets, we'll always try to push for bringing our product to other markets. Um, obviously, you need to balance that. We are working with a big part of the team working on our European markets, extending our products. So we offer, for example, overdraft only in a few markets uh, in Europe. We're extending that to France, to some other markets. Um, we're working on the core user experience. We've upgraded our premium product in the last six months uh, from N26 Black to N26U with different colors, different packages than you can get. Um, so you always need to balance these investments. But I think if you don't take... Uh, um, opportunities, you will never grow. And we're always opportunity-driven. Uh, so we take uh, uh, the US as an opportunity, but also in Europe. I mean, we have now 
about 5 million customers. We're far away from being a dominant player in Europe. Uh, there are hundreds of millions of customers still banking with traditional banks. And I think the opportunity is huge. So it would be stupid not to invest in Europe anymore. Many of the fintechs that you see in the market, yeah. also the US market, are moving into becoming ecosystems, like providing more than just financial services because obviously margins for financial mm -hmm. services, even if you reduce costs, which is like kind of your, mm -hmm. like one of the things that N26 mm -hmm. is doing, is their strategy to create new growth around their product. Would this be a strategy for N26 as well? So when you look at N26, we today stand for, I would say, three things that we are committed to. One of the, one of the, the The ones I think our base base product is to provide the most flexible and competitive bank account around the world. You see that with our shared spaces that we've recently launched. So you can create sub accounts, you can share them with people, but also all the real-time aspects. We cluster your spending. So I think the core experience of how you manage your finances, your cards, your payments, your you know, recurring, it's the most important thing. It's it's I would say it's, it's the core of our our experience. And there we want to, and we need to be best. I think uh, going forward and that you see with kind of the navigation change that we have recently done in our app in, in January and February, um, we'll have three things our app is consisting. One is um, what we call the timeline. This is kind of a, where you see all your transactions currently. We've, we are currently enriching that. We have updated the design, including merchant logos, but in the future, we'll also be able to see, for example, if a transaction could be fraudulent. We'll give you a hint in the timeline. If someone is joining your space, we'll show you that in the timeline. If you're skiing and you buy ski pass for two days uh, and you want to get a one-click accidents insurance for five euros, we can show you that in the timeline. So we want to actually show you opportunities that you have as a customer. Or if you travel to the US and uh, you're arriving at the airport, We want to show you the exchange rate and which ATMs you should use. So we want to make the, the whole experience more engaging because I think most of the banks today limit themselves as being transaction bookers. I think in the, in the future, you need to show your customers opportunities and also risks. So if you have fraud things going on, we should show that to customers. If something is going on in your account, we should directly be in contact. If you have a question to customer service, that should happen directly within, we call it more a newsfeed. So it's basically the idea to create an ecosystem around transactions and around financial yeah, services. Yeah, I think it's more about, you know, not only being a transaction booker, but I think your whole life consists of financial transactions. And I think today banks are not really known for you know, helping you with all these transactions. If you look at your traditional bank account, you're happy that the fee is booked correctly and then you have problems to identify what the, who the merchant was actually who is booking things. But maybe I have PayPal and then, you know, other big companies are moving into the financial space, including Facebook and Apple mm -hmm. and others, because they're all interested in this mm -hmm. personal information, this personal data that are everywhere mm -hmm. where transaction happens. So how do you, you know, face, how, how do you look at this new competition for financial a service such as... So I think we need to be reality-based. So today, we, I think we are the only player that has a banking license in, in, in core Europe uh, with a, a couple of competitions, but none of the bigger players basically went into getting their own banking license yet if they do only for transaction services. Yeah? So you're not afraid of Facebook or... Apple? No, I think it's an opportunity. I think the more Facebook integrates also like more payment, the more relevant we will also be because we're the easiest, easiest bank account to open and to have and the most digital one. Can you picture a business model, a new business model Model in the future that's kind of based of the customer data that you have or possess from your service on your platform? No, I, I don't I don't think uh, we think at all about selling any customer data or anything. Not selling, but using for 
building a new service because you see a certain need in transactions or in products or in activities people do? So I think uh, everything we do is based on the need of our customers. So how people use the app, right. we try to improve kind of the functions that they use. If I okay. see they all use, you know, the search function within the app, we right. move it where, wherever it is within the app. And uh, I think the same is, uh, is true kind of for transactions where we can be helpful. Right. We know for our customer group, for example, that not everybody has a household insurance. Yeah, So it could be definitely something that we can offer in a, in a very simple way within the app. Yeah? If the process is simple, um, if it's very transparent, I think that's something we'd like to offer. And we try to have an impact where there's not so much transparency. I think in, the insurance business is one of the ones, I think, where there's a lot of potential going forward. Um, but also when it comes to... Uh, exchange rates and stuff. I think bringing more transparency into that business is very, very important. Recommending people on if they should use yeah, the local currency to pay or the home currency to pay, I think is also something we need to educate people on. It's always more expensive if you pay uh, in kind of the currency that is advised to you by the machine. I think you had to deal with customer complaints for a while now. How do you balance the need for growth and also retaining customer satisfaction? So do you see there's room for improvement there? Now, of course. So every bad rating, uh, I think we should better in. And we take that very serious. We look at all the ratings. We comment most of the ratings uh, and, and take actions from that. Um, unfortunately, um, if you have a couple of million customers, you will also have customers that comment negatively, which we regret. Um, but uh, I think every business needs to deal with those. When you think about other founders who are like just getting started with mm -hmm. their business, um, where, do you, where do you think the German or even European ecosystem stands right now? Because for a long time, people talked about the fact, oh, we didn't have enough money. Obviously, money is not mm -hmm. the problem there. Now it's about scaling and expanding, you know, go internationally. There's several examples in the European market, including you, your company, um, who are targeting that. Where do, what, what kind of stage do you think the European ecosystem is in right now? So I think you have quite some money coming in for Series A and Series B, but I think it's still... There's, there can be still more money for, for the earlier startups. Uh, I think if you go to Series C and onwards, I think uh, we're still lacking the big funds in Europe. Um, on the other hand, I also don't think that we have enough founders yet. So I, can, I would encourage everybody who is listening to you know, think about their own idea, going into kind of founding their own startup, uh, uh, because I think there is two less great ideas and founding teams yet. You have some, but I think there's more capital than actually founder teams. Uh, so I think that is something that we are still missing and has to do with education. Um, and, uh, and also the visibility of, of, you know, that you can found your own company, which has changed already dramatically over the last four or five years. When I was in university, most people didn't think about founding a startup. Uh, I think in the last years, I think that changed. So it's at least something that people consider. Um, and it's something that comes over time. I think uh, we now today in our Berlin office, I think Berlin is quite advanced in terms of, you know, founder ecosystem. A lot of people that have founded a startup, maybe sold it or, you know, um, have, are still leading it successfully. Um, um, they're investing again in early stage startups. You have kind of some funds that were created by people that went to Zalando and now created their own fund or, or other people in the ecosystem. And that's, uh, that's a positive trend, but you also need to understand it takes some time. Some time. Uh, so it takes a couple of years. I think also Munich is on a good way. I think with all the universities, uh, I think it's much more tech-driven things that we see from Munich. Uh, and it's also very exciting to see the investments. I think we see some startups, some German startups mm -hmm. who are in the face of hyper-growth, which mm -hmm. obviously N26 mm -hmm. is and many others are as well. What are the challenges in this growth phase in your startup? Mm -hmm. So... 
First of all, if you grow so fast, so we have been, I think, uh, about five to 600 people uh, a year earlier. And then last year, we grew to more than 1,300, 1,400 people. So we more than doubled our team within 12 months. And I think it's very, very important to work on culture and structure. So if you grow so fast, obviously, there is not all the structure that you had is, is not there. Because like structure just, in terms of? In terms of, you know, uh, performance management, but also goal setting, OKRs, we work with OKRs, for example, that's what you really need to emphasize. Yeah, Uniting everybody, understanding visions, you know, sometimes um, um, teams grow fast and you need to also evaluate at the same time, if you grow a full team, you need to also have the right leaders in place. Sometimes if you go so fast, you figure out that maybe one of the, uh, of the leaders wasn't trained enough. So you need to do more training. So you need to provide training for leaders that have maybe only six months before I had a team of two and now they have a team of 20. So helping people to grow themselves, I think is, is key in such a growth phase. Was yeah. this kind of behind the decision to have like some changes in the management that you lately had? Um, so I, I think uh, if you look at changes in management that we always have, over, we had that over the last five years, we uh, recently... Uh, announced that we get a new CEO on board. Um, um, new but CTO. Yeah, I think... CEO yeah. leaving. So I think you need to difference a little bit. Yeah, so I think most of the people that you're commenting in already left again of a year ago. So right. if you refer to our CTO, I think we agreed uh, um, that he will be a, a chief evangelist for the product for the last year. And now kind of, you know, after a year, he's moving on to his own things. And already Chino, our CTO today, took over, I think, uh, about a year ago. So mm -hmm. I think it's not... Uh, everything that was reported in media, that we have an immediate management change. I think it's constant changes that you are having um, kind of in your management team, which is natural to any startup. And I think everybody who is listening who has his own startup knows that management team is changing from time to time. We always try to do that in accordance with the people that work in the team. Sometimes they want to take on their own opportunities. So for example, our um, uh, general counsel is leaving because he's founding a new startup. So he's leaving, he informed us, I think, three or four months ago. He's leaving in two, three months uh, and he's starting his own startup and uh, we're very excited about that. So because also we like to see people leaving into their own startups. So I think we need to differentiate a little bit on, on uh, who left the company at what stage and, uh, you know, how we do success, succession planning within the teams. I currently haven't seen any big shift in our management team. Is this kind of related to, you know, because you need in different phases of your startup, you need different people. This is why I'm asking why some people are better in this grinding, a like early days of a startup. Some you need, you yeah. know, to scale and to expand and to internationalize. This is why I'm asking this yeah. because, you know, for certain phases of the growth of your company, you need different people. So was this kind of related to these different phases of your companies in the stage your company is yeah. in right now? So as I said before, so I think one thing that I just want to correct, I think there wasn't a big management shift just in the last kind of months. I think management is changing constantly in any company that is growing from 600 people to 1,500. Um, but as you said and correctly pointed out, uh, in a startup, you need to always evaluate teams. Yeah? And I'm evaluating myself all the time yeah? uh, and uh, also all the other leadership in the company. I think today we have great leadership in, in all the positions that we have. Um, and if people feel ready to accept the challenge, we always support them with trainings, with leadership trainings and everything. And sometimes people want to, you know, take on other challenges and that's also accepted. I think it's, it's a very normal thing. If you look at the industry, I think the average that people stay with a company in a startup industry is maybe between, you know, three, three, around three years, maybe less. And, uh, so I think, uh, 
Um, you just need to understand that it's part of the business also that people are switching jobs and, and taking on other opportunities. There are also people who stay in a company for a long time, um, including the big companies. But it depends on, you know, your personal... I think the average in the US is below two years in terms in, of switching in a, in a startup, In a startup, probably, you know, whereas at Apple, people stay for ages and at Facebook, they stay for a very long time. As well, even it's probably not the right decision. But so I think I, I think you <laughs> I think you really need to kind of look at each case individually. But I just th- right. think I think it's too less accepted in Europe that you also can switch your job. It's normal, yeah. And uh, for some people, that might be a good opportunity. For others, you know, they want to stay longer with one company. And I think we have the clear interest that people stay. Long with our company. I, I truly believe that the longer people stay with N26, the more knowledge they will gain. But if um, people want to pursue other, other jobs in between, it's also fine. And we had people that went somewhere else and came back. So everything happens. So talking about the situation of the company right now, leaving the UK, having huge, like having a growth story in, in the US, having to deal with customer service and, you know, ensuring the quality of the service. What are like, how do you address this as a founder? And what are like the, I don't know, three measurements that you put into place to change these things for, for the better or move forward? So, so I think, first of all, I think there's a little bit of negative picture created. I think we've been forced out of the US. We're still one of the fastest growing startups in Europe and I'm very happy with the company development. So, and uh, I think so every nothing time... To, nothing to be worried about. That's not what I said. Um, as a founder, <laughs> uh, you always need to be worried about. Right. Yeah? And so uh, about a lot of things that we can do better, a lot of things that right. we can improve, and that's our uh, DNA. So I think... Uh, what are you worried about right now? So, so there's a lot of things. I'm, I'm, uh, we're building our Viennese office, for example, and I'm worried about how we get the first, next 50 people into the office in Vienna. Yeah? So how do we get the right talent? Um, because I was coming from Vienna this morning and uh, I had a good chat with the team on what next steps we can take. But I think there's a lot of things. How do you improve communication between our offices? We have now offices in Berlin, in Barcelona, with now 150 people that we built up over the last year. Uh, an office in Vienna, an office in New York with more than 100 people. So how do you make the, the, the communication between the offices most convenient? How do you support people um, um, to grow as managers? And I think that's topics I'm, I'm, uh, I'm worried about every day, but I, I still want to say, I think, I think the whole team has done a tremendous job over the last years. I think we have one of the success stories in Germany, uh, but also in Europe and uh, um, have some of the best investors, um, but there's always things to work on. Now, there are a hundred things to be worried about. If I, I'm, I'm the one who is not, not the only one, also our customer service teams. If I see a bad review on the App Store, I'm the one being most pissed off because I think there shouldn't be any bad reviews on any App Store. So now I'd like to come to a little more personal part and to our beer garden break. So we have uh, our beer scenes here. Yeah. You get one here. And this is mine. So get this started. Oh, you want to take the other beer? We have an Augustina as well, I think. <laughs> we, uh, we actually, our office, uh, our office fridge is actually full of Augustina beer. Um, the first thing we introduced, but we have also Kresser Radler, which is an Austrian Radler, because I'm from Austria. I'm figuring out how to put the advertising break in here. Yeah. So it's still something we work on. Um, so now we did free advertising for Augustina beer. Okay, that's, that's very cool. So that should pay us. 
pay us a lot. A lot of money, yeah. But I don't know if they need to because the beer is so good. So it's anyway in demand. Say cheers. But there's also a, a, a beer from Berlin. Cheers. Cheers. Do you ever go to Oktoberfest? Actually, I try to go every year. We had a. I was obviously um, um, at Spitz and Pretzels this year, but even before, we normally invite a, a couple of uh, founders and startup people uh, to a table that we're hosting. So it's always great fun. So you mentioned that you have a lot to worry about. What do you do to, you know, when you have a, have time off? Do you or do you just sleep here in the office because you and your co-founder have to work all the time? Do you travel because you have all these different locations for your company? Yeah. How how does this look? You know, so I mean, I, I worry about. I think there's a lot of opportunities, and if you grow the of, team, of course, there's uh, always uh, opportunity. Yeah, of course, and uh, <laughs> let's face it. But there's there's in this the is end for founders. This is for for real people. Yeah. You know, it's not you know. So I, normally, what I try to do is I, I try to go to the mountains. Actually, I try to go skiing maybe on the weekends or hiking. Uh, so I spend some time in in Austria with my family and friends. Uh, I sometimes take the plane from Berlin to Salzburg, which is quite a convenient connection over the weekend, and uh, and try to relax over the weekend. So I think it's important that you don't work uh, seven hours twenty four seven. Yeah, but maybe uh, seven days twenty four seven. But maybe you know only during the week and maybe on the weekends just a little bit. So I think it's two, two different things. Like one is, can you really get the head free on the weekend, which is more difficult, I think. Like being, being physically there, you can book in advance, you can take off and then I, You know, I can because, you know, when I'm working on something, yeah. I have, I'm, I'm focused on this. Yeah. Um, I think you need to be totally focused, but I have also learned over the last years that if I have a Saturday off, I focus on other things because otherwise you get crazy as a founder if you're always stressed out. So you need to kind of balance your different stress levels and uh, also with the company so what do you do? do you yoga do you meditate no do you I, I actually I, I do sports normally so okay. I, I go hiking with my brothers uh, I try to relax in nature I think that's for me a very very good balance yeah? also around Berlin I think there's a lot of you know uh, untouched uh, nature in around Berlin and also if you go um, uh, to the sea or something it's also t only two hours two and a half hours three hour drive from, from Berlin so I think uh, that is important to get kind of this difference in and uh, have a little bit of a, a different surrounding. Is there anybody you take advice from or anybody you talk to about all the challenges that you have faced? I mean, it's huge. I mean, it's like, you know, all these different markets, all this huge growth story. Mm -hmm. You're like one of the startups everybody's mm -hmm. looking um, at. So how do you deal with all this pressure and who do you talk and who, to and who do you take advice from? So first of all, I think the most important is that you build a good team. So I think if, if you have a good team, then the pressure is not only you as a founder. I mean, we have a 1,500 uh, people company here. So everybody in the team takes away pressure, basically, and, and works on projects that help you to get forward. Um, on the advice question, definitely we have a, we have a great board. Yeah? So we have some of the best investors from around the world that have seen growth stories similarly. Yeah? Some people were involved very early on in PayPal. Uh, some other people have like invested Peter, in... For example. Yeah, he was, who is only invested through a fund in, into right. us, but his core right. team basically right. uh, is invested into our, in Do our company. Do you have political decisions with him? <laughs> no, I think with Peter, we have almost no contact. Yeah? So uh, okay. I think it's only the, the fund that is invested into okay. us. He's always a little bit, his brand is overstretched in Germany. Uh, I think he's, you know, targeting that a little bit. He likes to provoke people, um, but that's a different story. I wanted to come back to this idea of taking pressure off yourself and towards the team. That also means that you have to trust 
the team, right? But how do you do this when you, I mean, do you know everybody? Like one, all of the 1,500 people? I mean, you can probably. Unfortunately, you know, I, I don't have the brain right? to know everybody of the 1,500. Right, so how, like talk about this. Like, But I think it's all about giving one vision, also working, we work with OKRs like Google does. Mm -hmm. So I think really understanding what's the target for each of the groups uh, or the partners that we have, really making sure that there's impact. And I think that's, uh, that's very, very important. Uh, and I think... Pressure is only coming up if there's no transparency. I think if there is transparent goals, if there is uh, transparency within the teams and what to achieve, then also if you miss it, you know why and you try to analyze. So that's then less pressure. You mentioned this uh, negative reviews. Um, you mentioned this media reports, blog reports about, you know, this, this negative reports. What kind of personal learning do you take from this and how do you try to change this narrative or like you know this attitude or you know what people say about N26 so I think in, in general the mood on the companies is in general very very positive especially if you Uh, look at all the markets that we in in Europe. So we still get more than 60% of all our signups organically. And that speaks for kind of the, the people like our product and that also out of that, uh, most of this is created. I think in Germany in general, you have a little bit more negative sentiment on startups or in, on new business ideas. Um, but that's also normal. You need to deal with that and, you know, um, uh, we try to, you know, the interviews from time to time to also put down our positions. Um, but I think for the rest, it's fine. What was the toughest moment for you as a founder? So I think there is no, there is no toughest moment. Yeah, for, for me at least there wasn't. I think uh, it's always moments if you, uh, you know, during funding rounds where you need to take decisions on which the investors you take on or not take on. I think that's important decisions. Mm -hmm. uh, I think decisions on the team are very, very important. Yeah. Um, Are people uh, in the position to be with the company for the next 10 years? Or do you need to talk with them maybe on taking on a smaller role? I think that's always tough decisions you need to make, but it's important for the team because the team is going to be very unhappy if you don't have the right leaders. I, I was just thinking about the moment when you decided to, you know, you started with a kid's card and then you decided to build something else and then you had to explain it to your investor. Was this like... A tough moment? So definitely, I mean, if you go more to the early stages of the company, um, one that you mentioned where we in the beginning started with a, a prepaid card for teenagers and uh, then at one point really launched the product and then decided not to, uh, to go on with the product. That was definitely a tough moment because first as a founder, you realize yourself the earliest, then you convince kind of your investors and then afterwards you convince your team. So you need to convince three parties uh, and that was very tough. Um, but I think it's, it's you know, Time solves most of the problems, so it's quite far away, so it doesn't feel so tough anymore. But if I remember, this was one of the, the toughest times, I would say, in the company's history. Because at the same time, we ran out of funding uh, at that moment. And we ra raised a new round very successfully in the end. But there were moments in between where we were kind of challenged. And uh, um, I think we got out of that much stronger as a team, but also much more focused. And then in the end, you know, a year later, we launched N26. So it was one of the best decisions we've ever taken. But at the same time, I would say one of the hardest. How do you explain this kind of turnaround or like change in the product or yeah. to, to the team who probably invested, I don't know, like tears and energy and thoughts and, you know, weekends yeah. in this product? I think we try always to be very data-driven. So if you look at the data and you see from the data that maybe on one hand the product is not as successful as you hoped for or you have indications that it's that 
it might be more successful in other markets. So for the teenage product, we have just seen that most of the people weren't using the product for the kids, but used it themselves. They booked their own flights, they booked their own travel on the card. So we said, okay, it's a much bigger market. Why do, we, why do you want to do this complex teenage product instead, you know? Let's build your own bank, which is also difficult, but it was the right step at that time to go from the teenage product to the banking product. So really try to get the customer sentiment, try to get the right data to look at, uh, but also don't make the mistake to only look at data. It's also some kind of get gut feeling um, where in the end, as a founder, you need to take that tough call if you think you, it's the right one. Did you have to hug people? To what? Hug, like hugging? Um, Yeah, I don't know. In, in that case, I think no one was really crying. So there was no, like, it wasn't so tough. But uh, um, I think, you know, you always have, you always have moments where you need to focus on giving the, the team more trust and more, you know, acceleration, explaining the vision. I mean, in the end, if you explain the vision, if you get people on board, everybody's smart that we have in a team, they will normally understand. Most people think that you are a wealthy guy. Do you feel, because I think you're on the... 100 richest whatever Austrian whatever people do you feel rich? So I think the question is how do you find rich? Yeah, um, I think my life hasn't really changed over the last five years I always like to work with great people I enjoy time with my family and, I, don't uh, believe, I don't believe that I think your life must have changed a lot Yeah but I, you know, I, I spend most of the time in the company and I spend most of the time on solving problems uh, the difference now is Now I have a CPO that has a team or she has a team of, of you know, a couple of hundred people that report into her. When I started, when we started the company, I had a product person that reported into me and they only had like 20 people. So for me, it didn't really change so much. Obviously, what I say today publicly or also to the team is much more visible than it was like five years ago. But uh, I think the day-to-day -day things that I love about the job and about what I'm doing haven't changed so much in the last five years. Do you, do you sleep in the office sometimes or do you always try to go home? No, my, my flat is not too far away, so. Coming to the next part of our interview, which is the special place. And I was reading uh, about you and I was reading that you spent a semester in Tokyo, which I think is fascinating. Uh, where exactly in Tokyo did you, did you stay? So I was actually going to uh, Sophia University, which is an English-speaking university uh, in, in Tokyo. And I stayed actually an hour away with, by, by, uh, by underground. So I, I had to travel and commute every, every day, I think, an hour. Obviously, I didn't really know about Tokyo before, so I didn't really spend too much time. I wasn't expecting the, the underground ride, I think, to be that long. Um, but um, I think it was one of the, the best experiences I had uh, during my, my studies. I think... Uh, The Japanese culture is, is fascinating. The, um, Why? Yeah, I think there's a very different management style. So everything is very, very team-based. There's almost no individual performance in traditional uh, Japanese companies. And I think it's not about comparing the different management styles. It's just about how, do you can, how can you take things away. So in, 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 in uh, Japan, people are really working together a lot. It's all about teamwork, team performance. Stay in a company for... Lifetime. Right. For the traditional companies, they right. stay a lifetime. Also, the respect that people have towards customers. So if you go to a supermarket, the service you get from, you know, if you buy a Coca-Cola in a supermarket here in Germany and you go to the, the, to the POS or, or you pay, you need to be happy if it doesn't explode if you open it. In, in, in Japan, you buy the Coca-Cola, they look if it's the right temperature, they package it, you go out, they wish you a happy day. So it's a completely different end-to-end -end experience and it doesn't matter on how luxury the product is. You get it with every product. And that's something 
that I really enjoyed and I've learned also from Japan that the customer needs to be the center of everything you're doing and you need to take care of the full experience. Um, What's your favorite karaoke song? Yeah, I, I'm not a good karaoke singer. Yeah, so normally I'm, I'm more on the, the drinking part then, so um, I'm not the singer. <laughs> so coming to the very, very, very last part yeah. of this interview, which is our either-or game, which is okay. kind of the fun part. Uh, and this is uh, how it works. I give you two words and you have to make a decision for one and explain real quick uh, why you've made this decision. And the first question is obviously bits or pretzels. Um, bits. You're actually the first one who is saying that. Everybody's choosing pretzels. That's interesting. So Because they power, they power everything, I would say. <laughs> Nerd or extrovert? I'm a little bit more extrovert. I think if you're a founder, and you, you naturally need to be a little bit more extrovert. We have a team of 1,500 people. I'm, I know I'm, I'm strong in presentation, communication. Uh, I'm, I'm more an outgoing person. Uh, and I think that's one of my strengths. Morning shift or late shift? It depends on the day. I think it can be both. Do you have a tendency towards something? No, actually, it really depends on the rhythm. It's also depending on if I come from the US or go to the US. Because if I come back, then uh, normally I start the days here much earlier. If I'm in the US, then, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, today I'm starting the days earlier. If I come back, then I start them later. So it really depends on, on where. I'm not the ex both. I think, I think it's, it really depends on the week. Music or podcasts? Um, for me, it's uh, music. What kind of music? I have no specific uh, music taste. I mean, I'm in Berlin, so electronic music is good, but um, not the only thing I'm hearing. Work hard or play hard? Um, work hard. That's a boring answer. <laughs> uh, money or love? Love. Sitting ball or executive chair? I don't know what it's an executive chair, so it needs to be the sitting ball. Vision or reality? Um, I think definitely, uh, it's also difficult, but I think vision is, is, is more exciting. Um, but you need to turn your vision into reality. That's when it really gets exciting. Valentin Stahl, thanks for coming on the Bits and Buses podcast. Thank you for, for having me. All right, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please subscribe. And of course, please tell your friends about us. And do give us a five-star rating. Write to us at podcast at bitsandpretzels.com to let us know how we're doing. Or if you want to suggest a guest to us. I'm Britta Wedling. See you next week.